Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 108 of the Post 20 Podcast. My name is Evan. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on this week, man? Good weekend. Um, Don't really know where to start. There were a lot of interesting games this week, I guess, to start off with our records from the previous games. Evan and I both went 7-2. and Um, Evan was right about the Brighton Spurs game. They were postponed due to COVID, so that's two games now Tottenham need to make up, so that'll be interesting to see where they schedule those games and um, fitness-wise for them because they're still in the conference league somehow uh, after almost collapsing. But all the favorites won. Evan called that too. All the big favorite teams won this week. Um, And then we both got the same games wrong, being the Burnley-West Ham and then Palace Everton game, those games were, were something. But yeah, overall it was a good week. Um, got back into betting a little bit with the NFL. Worked out nicely. Um, probably gonna have to look into tonight, see see where my feelings are, um, and I guess just go from there. And then if I got anything left, we'll bet on this week's games for Prem. Yeah, um, I had an unbelievable week. If you guys want to go listen to the NFL show, it would make me seem like an oracle. Um, I mean, what a week! Eleven and two on spreads. Uh, for a spread pool, won like five hundred yesterday. I was so close. The Ravens burnt me. Um, and then I had a good week betting. Get betting the prem too. Um, like Matt said, seven and two. So, um, this is what happens when favorites win. When you bet with the favorite because that's the team that should win. Every once in a while, you get one of those weeks where the stars align and you don't get fucked. So every once in a while, Vegas has to take a wash. They got to lose some money so it doesn't look like they're rigging it too hard. Um, and I think that's just kind of what happened this week. But let's get into the recap of match day 16. We had Brentford ticking on Watford. Brentford emerged victorious in squeaky bum time 2-1 against Watford. Pontus Jansen <clears throat> and Brian Mbuemo come from behind with goals in the 84th and 96th after Watford went ahead 1-0 on the Manuel Bonaventura goal in the 24th. Wow. Um, I called this one, but like I just said, holy fuck, was it squeaky. Um, Brentford end the game with 14 shots, 5 on target, and 64% possession um, versus that 36 for Watford, 6 shots and 2 shots on target for them. I mean, Brentford really just controlled the second half, came alive, ground out the result. This is what we were seeing a little earlier on in the season where Brentford played with a little bit of a a grit, um, made sure things things got done, and it was nice to see that again here. We didn't see um, Tooney in this game or anything like that, so um, I think this is a really, really good result against Watford considering the fact that Brentford just don't win against teams um, similar to their quality. Yeah, I mean, it was a big win for them. It puts them in the top 10 now, right there at 10th. Um, it's good for them. They pos- they were dominating the possession shots, and I think with the crowd behind them being the home team, um, it pushed them on to win the game. Uh, luckily for, for them, it was late on. The referee gave them a penalty decision, uh, which was probably due. That that defender, Conga, what's his name, um, for Watford, yeah, Trust Ikong, oh, that yeah. guy. That guy, the last two or three weeks, has been giving up some suspect uh, penalties, and just I think there was one time where it was a, a ball over the top, and he left it without thinking the goalie was going to come out, and then it was just a tap in for I think it was Southampton or something. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's been sus. Uh, no, Danny Rose, good decision, but ultimately their team was just too bad. Uh, defensively, Watford have been really struggling. They've been letting Red Neri down massively. Um, and I, I, I got a question. Do you think Red Neri's on the hot seat now after just joining a few months ago, um, coming up on this Christmas period? Because it seems like those Watford owners, as soon as things are going bad, they're just going to get rid of the manager. Okay, so, yeah, that's that's the thing you have to consider, right? Watford have had five managers in recent years. So it's been five managers since they've last registered a clean sheet, um, or was last week. Last week, did they have a clean sheet? I, f- I forget, but they had a stat, right? They've had five managers since the last time they had registered a clean sheet, which is unreal because if you think about the amount of time, you know, 
that is to have had five managers, it's nuts. Claudio Ranieri, if you look at his name versus some of the other names they've had in there, his pedigree is certainly higher. So does that afford him a little extra time? I think probably yes. Um, still, you know, that's a good question. It 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 does make me think. Um, but Ranieri doesn't have a ton to work with here, I don't think. Uh, losing his Lasar is a gigantic hit for them. I think they'll give him a little more time than they gave to the rest of the managers. But still, I mean... It's very possible that he's out um, come Christmas Day. You know, that's that's usually when when the the Reaper comes around. It's around Christmas. So, yeah, their next couple of fixtures are more favorable for them, just like this one was. But uh, and I looked, their last clean sheet was in a preseason friendly in July against West Brom. But if you don't want to count that, you have to go back to May eighth. Uh, they won two nil over Swansea. So it's been about seven months since they've had a clean sheet in a competitive match, which is awful. Uh, regardless of the manager. So they got really big problems there. Brentford, like you said, no Tooney. I think Sergi Canos was out because of um, card accumulation. Mm -hmm. So he had to do a one-match suspension. So they they got the job done. I thought they were the better team. Statistically, they did a lot better, controlled the game, um, and they just picked their spots. And I think they were the fitter team. And And at the end of the day, I think it comes down to being the home team worked out for them. So good result for them. They haven't gotten a, a win like that in a while. Um like I said, they're in 10th. Watford now um, sit 17th right above relegation zone. Uh, and they have the most losses right now. 16 games played, they've lost 11. So yeah. they're really, really, really need, They really need to find some sort of identity there to get the job done. Okay, let's move on. Manchester City 1, Wolves nil. City squeak out. Um, I don't know. I mean... My question actually is going to start immediately here before I even go over what happened in the game. Um, I think people don't really give City enough credit for grinding games out. I don't know if, if it's... I just I just listened to um, a little bit of the Two Robbies podcast that just came out, um, and they said the same thing, and, and it really kind of brought it to my attention. There have been teams like this in the past... Um, United, when they used to win 1-2-0 grind-out games under Sir Alex Ferguson, um, comes to mind. But I don't think that City get enough love for for these sorts of results. I mean, I know that, that Wolves were a man down because of the Jimenez thing, but this is a really hard-fought win. They're playing without a striker. They're getting goals and... and um not assists, but they're just getting help from everywhere on the pitch. They play as a unit. Their back line didn't play necessarily well. They haven't been playing all that well, I don't think, in recent weeks. Um, but they get a ground-out result here against Wolves. Do you think City get enough credit? Do you think they don't? And why do you think um, it is the way that it is? I think Pep being there for so long, you're just one of those things that you take for granted. You just think, oh, it's City. Um, and you don't realize in the moment like how special that this team is and the way they play. It's kind of like how um, you look at Messi versus Ronaldo, that sort of competition of who's the GOAT. Um, and then when it's over, you're going to realize like how special it was and how you didn't really take it in as much. So I think that's kind of the same effect City has. Um, week in and week out, like you said, without a main striker, but that's how City's style is. They don't need that vocal point up front because they have all these other guys that can get the job done. Um, some more than others, and some get in good form, and Pep runs with them, and that's fine. But, I mean, we're seeing Kevin De Bruyne not even get any minutes now. Obviously, he's got injury issues and that, but still, him coming off the bench is hysterical. It just shows the depth they have, so... I think, like I said last week, this is the period where they're going to go on a run like they always do, and people don't realize like how good it is. And like you, and you said, they grinded this out, and this is like a champions-type win where they don't the chances don't go in, but they get the job done. They held Wolves to one chance on target. Obviously, Jimenez picked up a red card because of a bonehead decision, right? which ultimately sealed his team's fate, but... Um, I don't know, man. It's City's just a powerhouse. They're six. They're six straight wins in the league uh, since losing to Crystal Palace two nil. Um, and then the one thing I thought was there was there. It, this was one of six out of the nine games this weekend. There was a penalty decision 
I thought that was crazy. I don't know yeah. when the last time that happened. There were so many penalties were given. 2007, I saw a stat. Yeah, and I mean, VAR is a big, a big component in that because I was thinking that VAR shouldn't reverse that decision. I feel like the only time it should come into play on a penalty is if the ref makes a penalty decision and then VAR can overturn it. But with the whole, if the ref doesn't see it live and then you go back, I can't. I feel like that's kind of tough on teams. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we've kind of we've kind of covered the game without directly covering the game. Just a ground up victory for City. This is the stuff the champions are made of, like Matt said. Um, the Jimenez thing was was interesting. Um, kind of hard to go too hard on him. Um, I know that well, Matt said that he's finished on multiple occasions, and it does seem that he is finished with plays like this. Um. It's a moment of weakness for him because you're playing, you're defending 90% of the game. And I've heard pundits say, like, as an attacking player, that's not your role. No, you're frustrated. Yeah. And it was just like one of those things where it just got away from him. And he realized after the fact, um, he picked up the back to back yellows in a minute, uh, what he did. So I, I think that's. That's just a moment of weakness on his part, but and that's what City can do. That's what City always does to these teams. I thought Wolves did a nice job, and this is how I thought it was going to go. They weren't going to give up many goals, and they were going to be very limited to what they had. So it was pretty pretty fair result, in my opinion. I said it was similar to their last game against Liverpool. It was yeah. the same result. Um, not the same circumstances of the timing of the goal, but, right. I mean... Ultimately, it was Raheem Sterling's been turning up the last couple of weeks. We talked about months ago him wanting to potentially leave. Obviously, stirred up in the but that's what happens when footballers don't get playing time. Just they get a little un, un, uh, rattled. Yeah, true. And you're right. I mean, this is a testament to just how fucking infuriating Manchester City are to play. Okay, let's move on. We had. Um, Chelsea three leads United two. I'll let you, uh, I mean, I watched all of this game, but I'm going to let you start and cover this one. Yeah. We talked about it last week and I said, I could see this game being four, two with both teams, current forms city, um, excuse me, Chelsea, um, having problems defensively, which is Tuchel's bread and butter, um, whether that's due to rotation of team or, Maybe a confidence issue at Mendy in the back. He's been letting a couple things slip by. Uh, and then you have Leeds, on the other hand, to make games always interesting, regardless of what 11 are out there um, and who's injured and not. Uh, but they always make it a game. And um, Rafinha was a massive problem. Like, he's been all year, gets every team. He gets a goal from a penalty. Um, Alonzo fouling Dan James. Thankfully, before the half, Mason Mount um, catches one from Alonzo, kind of, uh, making up for his mistake, earning a, earning a, or winning a duel, getting a one-two, and then whipping a ball into him. So, uh, but it would have been, it would have been a completely different game if uh, it was one 0 to Leeds at the half rather than one-one. Go level, level into the half. It's a different uh, conversation by the manager. And then Rudiger winning two penalties was huge. Don't know why he was in that area, but um, thankfully he was not the person you'd think would save the day. And obviously Jorginho makes both. Um, and then that Joe Gelhart, who we saw, I think, months ago against Southampton, got his debut, was a very fierce attacker um, from Merseyside, very dynamic player. He bags a goal, um, which I thought was nice for him, but just showed how the lapse in in concentration from us, really. So I don't know. I, I said to Evan on the day, text when we were texting that, uh, both teams it looked like were trying to lose. They were trying to drop points, and ultimately Leeds were the bigger sellers. So I don't know if I can give like too much credit to Chelsea. You could see after the victory, Tuchel wasn't that in, in, um, enthusiastic. Um, even after Jorginho's 94th minute penalty, he just wanted to get out of there, uh, which I thought was fair because that's not a signature win um, under his management. So, and even against a depleted Leeds team, they had no no Phillips, no Bamford. Um, no Liam Cooper. They they were they were a shell of what they used to look like, and they still made it a great game. So I don't know what we're gonna have to do to get get the wheels back on track, because I know for a fact Man City and Liverpool aren't gonna stop their their rampage. So it's gonna be a thing where um, we have to keep up with them, or we're gonna be isolated in that third position with 
teams behind us probably going to be sneaking on our asses. Yeah, so gap kind of widens here. You have City and Liverpool um, at 38 and 37, respectively. Chelsea are in that 36 uh, range on <clears throat> third place. I mean, they're going to probably, if I had to pick right now, the table's not going to change much, right? It's probably going to be City 1, Liverpool 2, Chelsea 3. And I don't see other any other teams contending for that. Um, but it's tight. It is tight. It's very possible that City lose a weird game, Liverpool lose a weird game, and Chelsea win and go to the top of the table. Um, they just need to keep it tight through the holiday period, I think, um, because it's... Those are the games that really matter. This is where the league is won and lost. I know I've said that a million times, but um, it's it's certainly possible. But I would say if I had a gun to my head right now, City 1, Liverpool 2, and Chelsea 3 is how the league ends, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah that's fair. We don't know what's going to happen um, come January. Yeah. I think January 9th to... Like early February is the African Cup of Nations, and yeah. the team that's most affected by that Liverpool. is Liverpool. Um, Certainly true. So we're going to see what happens there. Man City, I believe, only have Mares going to that. Chelsea, obviously, we got Mendy. Will he go? Yeah. I'm sure he'll go. He'll represent Senegal, I'm yeah. sure. So I, I, it's going to be a big deal on Kepa, mm-hmm. um, unless for some reason Chelsea bring in somebody, which I don't see happening. Uh, but but Kepa played. I know that they lost against Zenit, but Kepa actually played really well. The week the week before the African Cup of Nations starts, Chelsea play Liverpool, so we're probably going to play Salah again. Yeah. Uh, but but after that, we play City and Southampton, and then the those players come back for us. So we have to play City again without our number one goalie, but who knows by that? Maybe Kepa catches on fire, but yeah, uh, that's all too far away. There's There's a lot of games to happen between now and then. <laughs> Uh, the table can be looking a lot different. We, we like you said, City can have a uh, a weird loss. We saw that with Palace, yep. um, Liverpool doing the same thing against West Ham. That that game being more respectable than a Palace loss, but yeah, you never know. Guys might get hurt. Uh, a, a VAR decision might be given. We saw handballs given this weekend that from from review didn't look like handballs, but we're still yep. given. So you never know. Yeah, you never know with the in the day and age of VAR. Yeah. All right. So City win 1-0. Liverpool win 1-0. Teams at the top of the table getting these cheeky penalty wins. Um, Liverpool emerge victorious at Anfield over former talisman Steven Gerrard leading Aston Villa. Wow. Um, I was right that Liverpool would come out and batter Villa. Um, No shots on target. Only four shots total and 37% possession for Villa. Liverpool were all fucking over them. 63% possession, five shots on target, and 20 shots total. I mean, Villa just had absolutely no space to breathe in this game whatsoever. Um, But I'm just kind of surprised that they held up as well as they did. I thought maybe this could be like a 3-0 for Liverpool, but a pen was the difference. So I think that um, this is certainly a testament to Villa's defense. Um, maybe they got a little lucky, but I would say that, um, Stevie G has them playing better and they held up pretty well, you know, just a penalty is the difference here. So a good result for Liverpool. Um, but I don't think Villa should be hanging their heads too much. No, Liverpool now seven straight wins, uh, in all competitions since that West Ham defeat. Yeah, I definitely believe Liverpool, I mean, excuse me, Aston Villa, have been playing better under Stevie G. Uh, three wins, two losses. There's two losses, two losses being the top two teams, and they were close fashion games. So I think he's got the right the right um, philosophy going into this team. Um, you knew Liverpool were going to dominate. Obviously, uh, a decision by the referee decided the game, uh, and Mings just got a little too ahead of himself there with Salah. Never, he never wanted to get him in the box one on one. Um, you know what's going to happen. But, um, yeah, they're sitting 13th right now. Table very, very tight. Uh, I definitely see them getting favorable matchups these next couple weeks. Um, they play Norwich this week, which should be nice for Stevie G. They can play more open, more freely. Um, I thought Norwich, we'll get to that game later, I thought they played well. 
But yeah, they have favorable matchups coming up. They're not going to be playing absolute monsters um, back-to-back anymore for a little while. And uh, on the Liverpool side, they're they're dominating, they're cruising, not scoring as many goals as we thought they would. But uh, they sit most in the goals for category. They've scored 45 goals in 16 games. So they're averaging a little under three goals a game, which is uh, incredible. Um, and they're just... I don't really know what else to say. They're just playing how they should be. Uh, like the City game, 1-0. Champions mentality win. You just win the game no matter what, whether it's 4-0 or 1-0. So I think the the result went how we thought. Um, and both sides can take positives out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on. We had... Um... Oh, Arsenal 3, Southampton 0. Arsenal come out. Absolutely blazing. Look unbelievable against a Southampton team that they certainly should beat. Um, 15 shots, 5 on target, 62% possession for Arsenal. Wow, it seems like everybody had a chance in this one. Um, We have goals from Alexandre Lacazette, who opened the scoring in the 21st. Odegaard, 3-3 in the 27th. And Gabriel, our center back, in the 62nd. Um... One of my takeaways was that when Arsenal are playing well, Gabriel, for some reason, plays so far up the pitch. I mean, I watched him run the full length of the pitch like three times. He wanted a goal so bad. I, I It just looks so dangerous to me. Um, we almost got caught on the counter a couple times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a good clean sheet for Arsenal. Ramsdale continues to look good. Um, he continues to make easy saves look very challenging. He dives around a lot. Um, but he also makes those hard saves as well, so I can't fault him for it. Tomiyasu looks great. Uh, Tierney slotting back in after a few weeks off with injuries, getting the pace back. Martinelli and Saka almost had goals for themselves as well. This game could have easily been 5-0, um, but the woodwork saved uh, 45, 50, 60-year-old Willie Caballero a couple times. Um, really, you know, Arsenal came out and and fired here. They looked good. That midfield, I still think Thomas and Xhaka are not the not the ideal pairing. Um, but I'll take a clean sheet and I'll take this performance from Arsenal any day of the week. Yeah, this was probably on the the Saturday the most proper dominant win uh, yeah. when it comes to goals and just possession overall. Um, I think Southampton, like we said in the preview, we're missing a lot of key players badly. Uh, right up the spine of their team missing both goalies uh, a, a starting center back a starting holding mid and uh, a starting forward so i thought on the day southampton provided great chances to score um i thought ramsdale was man of the match he made a lot of great saves yeah um i think into what he have he had like six saves or something five or six yep and like you said he made him look hard but there were somewhere that was very challenging, and I thought he was a bright spot for them. I thought Tyranny back on that left back. Uh, we saw last week he got an assist, another one this week. Um, not the cleanest one. It was kind of like some FIFA cheese, the the way the play worked out, but Odegaard wins that goal. Uh, and, yeah, Sokka has been a problem out there on the wing. Martinelli as well. Um, Pepe is pretty much faded out of the team. I don't know what's going on with him. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess the last thing I'll say is on the game is Aubameyang not playing for disciplinary issues. Uh, Mikel, for the second time in, uh, I think, this year, he's made it publicly why um, made it public why they're disciplining him and what for in that. Um, I've heard people say like that no club does this with any other star players if there are problems, and Aubameyang's like a rare case. Do you think it's that's Mikel trying to set an example for the younger players or do you think it's like a contract issue or a way to force him out of the club in january maybe offload all those wages and open up room for maybe new signings and also retaining young players for long-term deals evan i think think? i think it's two things i think it's actually both of those things um i don't think i don't think Mikel likes Aubameyang. we've seen this i mean last year if you think back to the north london derby he was dropped um I just don't think that Mikel thinks he's all that good. And to be honest with you, when he plays, he hasn't been all that good. So I don't know if I blame Mikel there. Um, last season, maybe my tune was a little bit different. But um, at this point, I'd be willing to give anybody else a chance over Aubameyang. Lacazette does a job here. 
I think Eddie Nketiah probably does a job here. I think if you put Martinelli up top, he probably does a better job than Aubameyang. I respect him for his finishing ability, but I think that he's done at this club. I think he needs to move on, and I think Mikel benching him um, is a is a result of him not liking Aubameyang as a person, as a player, but also um, as the first step to getting him out of the club, offloading his immense wage bill, um, and maybe making room for a new player. And that new player, I'm hoping, will be Dominic Calvert-Lewin. But we'll see. It's a tough one. That man is very injury-prone. I know. I know he is. So maybe oh. maybe that's not the not the move because Arsenal are an injury-prone team. Maybe we should be looking at somebody else. But I just don't know who else is going to be available, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. It all depends on if they make European competition more yeah. over Europa League or Champions League. I don't think people want to play in the Conference League. We've no. heard Brendan Rodgers say he doesn't what know too that? much about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they, they got they, speaking of Leicester, they crashed out of the Europa League. Now they're in the Conference League. That's yeah. why he was asked about it. Um, but for Aubameyang's numbers the last three years, um, his numbers have been going down and his playtime's gone down, um, specifically yep. in the Prem. 2019-2020, he played 36 matches, 22 goals. Uh, last season, only 29 matches, 10 goals. And now this year, he's played in 14 matches and only four goals. Yeah. So it's kind of a sign from the manager. Um, the player's disinterested. He he doesn't maybe want to play like that. He I think he enjoys the team yeah. and the, his teammates in that, but maybe it's management that's... Um, making him want to maybe move on with his career. He's at an age now where um, he's past his prime. He is just going to try to move where, where it's best for his family and that maybe where he enjoys playing. Who knows? Maybe make, maybe he goes back to Dortmund or a previous team who knows, but um, there are definitely players out there that Arsenal can lure in because they, I think they have an allure to them now where it's a very young, vibrant team, uh, a new manager, relatively speaking, um, in the game compared to others. And it's just an upcoming project that maybe they can lure some guys in that want to play in the Premier League. And Arsenal is a well-established club with a great history, um, a good fan base. So I don't know. I think they can definitely do something. We've seen them splash money this summer on a variety of players. And um, if Kroenke keeps it up, maybe they can bring in one or two more uh, next summer. So before we move on quickly, the guy that is under, um, that's in the scope for Arsenal right now is Fiorentina's Dusan uh, Vlahovic. He has yeah. this season 15 goals in 17 matches. Um, he's six three. You know, traditional <clears throat> traditional striker number nine. Um, really, I mean, if you think about all of Arsenal's best strikers, you know, they're 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 tall typically, um, quicker play more of a target man role, and he has a ton of goals. So if they could get him in, that'd be great. But, you know, you're not going to get that guy for... He's 21 years old. He's playing out of his skin right now. You're not going to get him for anything less than 75 mil. I know the the, yeah. the bids have been around 65, 70. Um, so I think that it would be fine to splash, but I'll bet you they don't get him. I bet you we wind up with somebody ridiculous. Yeah. He was on Tottenham's radar this summer with yeah. the whole Harry Kane saga. So um, he's definitely been linked to multiple clubs in the Premier League. And I'm sure if Arsenal want their guy, they'll go get him. Yeah, I hope, I mean, I hope they get him because I think he would introduce having a really a good clinical striker. Man, that would be, that'd be unreal for them. Yeah, you haven't had a main striker uh, for a young, at a young age in a long time. Yeah. Um, probably since Henri, really. Henri. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And think about, you know, his height, the way that he played. Um, who knows? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe this guy could, could do a job. Okay, let's move on. North City nil, Manchester City escape with a penalty win. So many 1-0 penalty wins this week. Three of them from top clubs. Um, United get <clears throat> a, a decent job done here. They get all three points, but, man, they didn't look all that good. They made sure that North stayed in the game. Um I don't know. I mean, I don't have a ton to say here. We saw some some interesting starts. Um, again, we have this strange, um, empty kind of middle of the park where Sancho and McTominay and Fred and Fernandez are, are pushed out a little further. Um, not so much focus on the very middle. Marcus Rashford and Cristiano Ronaldo start up top opposite each other. This is the third week in a row that we've seen this. 
um, or third match rather. So it's an interesting way to line up. They do get a result here. Good. Um, but I still have questions about United. Do you, do you feel the same way? I'm seeing here Ralph Ragnick is the only the second United manager to register a clean sheet in his first two league games in charge of the club after Ernest Manginell in 1903. Oh, Lord. So, and he comes out with a unique style. They play a 4 triple 2 um, He's really, really um, got on Matamane and Fred's asses about playing square balls. Whenever they win the ball and transition, he wants them to play vertical because that's the best opportunity to catch teams out um, is when they lose the ball. That transition play is massively important. Um, Rashford's kind of starting to lose that shine to him. He's not as young and fresh compared to Greenwood. There are rumors about maybe Greenwood should have that starting role and Rashford should start on the bench. Mm -hmm. So you have that there. Um, we've heard Ragnick in years past talk about Luke Shaw being overrated. We're starting to see Tellez get more minutes. Um, and he's looked good, as well as Delo out there with Wambasaka out. So some big changes in the team. Uh, Ronaldo on the penalty. Uh, difference, Bruno didn't seem too bothered about it. I mean, when you got Ronaldo there, you want him to shine um, and earn his money which he did in this game. But I thought on the Norwich end, this is one of the better games Norwich has played this year. I thought they were in this game, watching the game. I, I was able to come home and watch 90% of it. I think they had every chance to earn a point, if not win the game. It just came down to De Gea. I thought De Gea was MVP for United here. It was just he played one of those games where he's the best in the world. He made a bunch of great saves. Um, when Manu was sleeping on set pieces and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it just came down to Norwich not having uh, that attacking presence. Pookie um, letting a couple chances go. Josh Sargent still can't get on the board, uh, registering a goal. Um, but Billy Gilmore did well in there. Um, Grant Hanley, their main, their captain, center back, picked up a, an injury they were, they were sh uh, when he went off. Uh, the second half, he came out in an arm sling, so he'll probably be out for the rest of the month. Who knows? But um, I thought they did an overall really good job, Norwich, and it's a tough one to lose here for Dean Smith because now they go into this Christmas period, bottom of the table, and and historically, very, very, very few teams that enter this period dead last stay up in the league. So yeah. they need to do something in these next two matches or it's looking like it's all but over. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on. Burnley nil, West Ham nil. Fuck, man. Um, this was probably the the worst game. Yeah, in my opinion, I, I, my first note was it was a snooze fest. It was. It was. I was um, asleep. It came down to Burnley. I didn't even realize that Cornet wasn't playing. Yeah, he's, a, he's injured. eye injury. Yep. Massive, massive loss because he just had an explosive dynamic to Burnley that. It helps that ver ver uh, vertical play they have yeah. that I mentioned in the previous game. Just um, when they win the ball, they play those long balls in. Cornet can chase it down and whip balls into Chris Wood or go on his own. Um, and they had their they were very limited here. They had a chance at the end. Nice build up play. Jay Jay Rodriguez couldn't flick it on. I, I had Burnley here in an upset. Evan had West Ham. Yep. Didn't go either way. I thought West Ham those last fifteen minutes had more chances to win it. Um, it just wasn't meant to be. And, I, and this is where West Ham struggle and show that they can't finish in the top four. Or, or I shouldn't say top four, challenge for like the top three. Uh, that, yeah, that top three area. And we, we, and we saw the other three, those other three teams we're talking about all had similar games where it came down to the wire and, and they squeaked it. And West Ham couldn't squeak this. So it just shows where West Ham is as a club. Obviously, in the past five years, this is an incredible jump for them, being a relegation battle team to a mid-table team, to now back-to-back -back years performing at the top level, uh, doing well in Europe, um, in a quarterfinal for the League Cup. So they're competing on all fronts, and that was the main thing we talked about, is can they can they compete in all these competitions with a limited team? And it seems like David Moyes is doing all the right things. So And even with key injuries to their center backs. And they just got the job done here to get a nice away away point. Um, but now United's creeping up on them. Arsenal's creeping up on them. Tottenham have two games in hand. Leicester are starting to get their thing together. Uh, so now West Ham need, need to need to realize that um, 
if they don't string a couple results together, they, they may end up in the eighth position at the end of the month. So big problems for them. Burnley, on the other hand, doing what you thought your season prediction was. They're going to get relegated. They're right there in 18th. Only one win registered on the year with Newcastle. Um, and it comes down to their scoring. They're, they're third, third least goals for right now with 14. The only thing getting them by is all these draws. Eight draws, most in the league right now with Brighton. Yep. So it seems like Sean Dice is just going to be going for, with, what is that, with 23 matches left, he's probably going to go for 11 more draws and hopefully two wins, and that'll keep him up. Yeah, I actually I actually do think Burnley are safe. I think that they will be safe this season. I don't think they're going to be relegated. I may have had them in my relegation prediction. But I, yeah. to be honest with you, I think Southampton are going to get relegated. Um, really? I do, yeah. Something something is awry there. Something's not right. Um, I think in December, you know, Burnley, every once in a while, they have these, these weird results where they, they steal a couple points. I think that they're probably due for a win here soon. They don't have a win in their last five, um, four draws and, and a loss. I think that they get a couple wins upcoming the next few weeks, holiday period, busy, going to catch some teams sleeping. They don't really play in any other competitions. Um, and yeah, I, I think that they're they're going to be safe, strangely enough. But another point I want to make is let's look um, at the mid-table because from Aston Villa in 13th to Manchester City and, well, not Manchester City, West Ham in 28th, only nine points separate those teams. So that's that's a nine-spot nine swing, right? There's only nine points separating these teams. The middle of the table is so congested this season. I mean, we have West Ham, Man United, and Arsenal all separated by one point. Leicester City are creeping up the table. Tottenham are creeping up the table. Wolves are a team that grinds out results. They're probably not going to finish anywhere, you know, north of eight but they're probably also not going to finish anywhere south of 12 there is a lot of congestion in the middle of this table and we're going to see in the next few weeks this start to i think a little bit separate and it's it's games like this though that you know that make sure the stable or the table stays together like this is why everybody is so tight because of these weird ass games and I said in a group chat that I was in um, this weekend, West Ham are due for a fucking weird one. And what do you know? They come out and draw. Um, they're flat for a majority of the game. It's not until the very end that they come out and really decide to throw players forward. Um, but Burnley kind of park it and and just they, they take a point from this one. I mean, this was really unfor- unfortunate to watch, but it is what it is. If I had to pick three teams right now to go down, it'd be Norwich, Newcastle, and Watford. Those would be my three. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Something stinks about Southampton. I know they're level on points with, with Leeds and um, only two behind Everton, but something's I definitely, right. I definitely can see them climb up. I think they're on par with the Crystal Palace. They always they do. Right, they always do climb up when they're when they're doing we're, poorly. We're we're starting to see Brighton fall. They yeah. started fourth. They're Good. down in eleventh now. Good. They're sliding. Fuck them. Love to see them. I, I have them getting relegated. I don't think that's going to happen, but they're going to start oh. falling down to that fourteen fifteen area. There's a lot of season left. We're not that far in when you think about it. Okay, Leicester City four, Newcastle nil. Your IT elements back in action. Two goals for him. One in the thirty eighth. One in the eighty first. Pat Sandaka scores in the 57th, and James Madison gets on the board in the 85th. Newcastle looked more potent than I thought they would in this game. Um, 12 shots, 3 on target, and actually dominated the possession, but man, their defense was poor. Leicester, 8 shots, 5 of those on target, 4 of them went in. Um, A well-needed clean sheet for the Leicester defense, who have been awful all season. Um, and another, another game for, for Newcastle where they should lose and they do lose. I saw this one coming from a mile away. Yeah, this was the old Leicester, excuse me, that came out to play. They ran the show, like you mentioned, to the Mods of Madison. They shined in the midfield. Uh, Daka earning more, more, uh, respect with another goal there. Uh, second game with Novardi. Um, and like you said, Newcastle just really struggled defensively. And, and it's always they rely on their attackers to make it a high, high intense game. And it just wasn't meant to be. Um, 
Leicester were just frying. Uh, and the last thing I got here is that Johnny Evans, I think in the fourth minute, pulled up uh, with a hamstring injury. Um, so he'll probably be out the next few matches, but he's their best defender. We saw the beginning of the year when he was not there that they struggled. Um, and I can definitely see that happen now because he's been their leader in the back. He's their captain. And it's, he's just a really strong part to the identity of that team. So they're going to have to make shift with some other guys in there. Maybe they put a Marti back in there. He's normally a holding mid, but he's played whole, uh, center back for a time. So we're going to see really what happens now with more injury issues for Leicester. They're probably one of the most injured teams this year. Um, and Newcastle really need to just get just get a few points before the new year because we know January when January comes around, they're going to spend money because now they have a, a, an abundant amount. So it's going to be they're just going to try to buy their way out of this year and plan for next year. That's ultimately what it's going to be. And it's a short time for Eddie Howe to come up with something because he's been put into a situation where all the cards are against him from the start. So he, he needs to bring in a lot of defensive minded players to just hold up for those attacking guys to maybe nick one, two nil wins. So it, I don't know. Newcastle's in a really brutal spot. Like as we said earlier, Leicester climbing up the table um, and earning that respect back where we thought maybe they were frauds again. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on. I think we have one more game. Yes. Crystal Palace three, Everton one. Chelsea Loney, Connor Gallagher gets the, they the Eagles. What are they? Yeah. The Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles up. Um, to get them on the board in the 41st. Um, James Tompkins gets one in the 62nd. I know we were kind of low on James Tompkins last week, but gets a goal in this one. Salman Rondon pulls one back in the 70th for Everton. Corpse of Salman Rondon and Conor Gallagher. Another one in the 93rd. Man, he is unbelievable. Palace get a win that they need so very desperately. Everton, again, losing against a team that are of a less quality, um, lesser quality in my opinion. I don't have a ton to say about this one other than fuck Everton. And I know you do have a lot to say about this one. Possibly the worst performance of the weekend by Everton. I know that's hard to say, but with Newcastle there, but I thought Everton just looked God awful. Uh, Palace just capitalized on multiple Everton mistakes during the victory. The initial goal, uh, poor clearance, Damari Gray, Bad back pass. Uh, IU wins it. Drag to Connor Gallagher for the first. Um, the second goal, just poor marking on the corner kick. James Tompkins just ghosts his way to the back post. No defender, 10 yards of him. Pokes it in for the easiest goal of his career. Uh, and then Seamus Coleman in stoppage time. Fr frustration looked on his face. He quickly tries to clear a ball out off a free kick. Uh, stuck in their back. Everton win the ball. Um, it just falls to the top of the box. Gallagher just hits an absolute seed into the top corner bar down. And it just seals the deal. The only thing I'll say for Everton is over the last couple of weeks, Palace have struggled to hold leads. Um, their game management has been poor. You could put a lot of that on the manager for not explaining that to his players because they do have a lot of young guys in there um, with not the most experience. So that's something Vieira really needs to fix up in the limited time he has on the training ground because they play they play on Wednesday, I believe, right? If I can just double check that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah they play on Wednesday against Southampton, which would be a nice game. Yep. Um, but yeah, like all these teams are going to have limited time on the training ground. We saw yesterday United and Villa COVID outbreaks. They didn't have training on Sunday, so they have one game to get one day, I should say, to get ready for their matches. Um, and it's tough. So and, and back to my point, Everton got into the game. There was a 10, 15 minute period where Crystal Palace just completely did not look like how they did the most of the game. And Everton got it back in. Uh, Rondon gets a goal, um, kind of cheesy. And then they almost equalized it. It could have been an absolute shitter of a performance at the end. But <sighs> Palace got the job done at the end of the day. And Everton, my question to you is, um, I was thinking about yesterday. Two clubs you could manage. You have to pick one currently where they are now. Um, if you were the manager, if you became the manager of one of these teams, which would you prefer, Everton or Newcastle? Oh, um, that's a great question. Right now in the table, you have to take over a team. Which one would you have? 
I think I'd take Newcastle, you. I mean, you're. I would take Newcastle because those players at Everton just look god awful. Yeah, they They're, look fucking tired and lazy. There's no, there's no motivation. There's yeah. no drive. I agree. I, I got, I got fucked. I, got my, I screwed myself with this pick this week because the lenses were just covered in shit, yep. and I thought I saw gold. Yeah. I last week they get a good performance over Arsenal of all teams, um, and it just made me think, oh wow, they got a good result over a decent team. Uh, they play a Palace team who lost who have lost three straight games. Uh, this should be something they climb up the table and get back in the mix where they should be. But no, nope. um, they go back to normal. So yeah, I mean Newcastle. It's more over because Newcastle have all that money, and I could just spend it and buy my way out of trouble. Where Everton, Rafa just took over as the technical director because they fired the old one. Yep. So he has more control and say over what's going on at the club, which is nice for him. Um. But they just don't have the players to get the job done. And I do you think they could get into a relegation scrap? Everton? No. No. They always escape it. Even when they have this slump, because they have this slump all the time. I've seen this so many times. I've seen this movie before. I don't think they get into a relegation scrap. Um, but when a team underperforms like this, sometimes I kind of wish a relegation scrap on them. I just I just don't think it'll happen. They they always somehow get out. Yeah, but that's all I have to say about the game. And uh, I think Crystal Palace is my worst team down there betting. I, I think both of us were 3-13 and 13 picking Palace games this year. So. Right, so maybe they're my new Brentford. We'll see. Okay, um, shall we move on to the prediction? Yeah, I'm, this should be an absolute stinker here. Oh, it's going it, to be it's a due. It's due. I think I'm looking here at records. <laughs> I've every time I I've been positive. I've had a positive record three weeks straight. Yep. I've never gone four weeks with a positive record, so I'm due to have a shitter here. Or <laughs> maybe fade whatever you have in your head. Then I don't know, dude. It's gonna be fucked. There's some games on here um, that could go anyway after last week's performance. It's gonna be one of those things where, like Norwich Villa, I thought Norwich played very well this week, but they're coming up against a Villa team that have been playing really well, maybe not getting the results, but just as a team, they play well with the game strategy. So I don't know, man. I, let's just get this under the way. All right. I, wow. Brentford versus Manchester United. Um, Brentford's win probability at 23%, 52 for United. Um, I have a lot of questions about United, but I don't think that Brentford can always win against a team that's better than them, so I'm actually going to take United in this one. They need to score a couple goals in this game, and I think a Brentford team um, that could be without Tooney is a really good opportunity for that. Yeah, I think Tooney will be out again two days after their... Or, sorry, they played Friday, so he gets more time off. He's coming back from COVID, so it'll be interesting to see. I think he's reached the 10-day period where he needs to be out. Um, and after no... Um, with limited training this week now, it'll be interesting to see if he's match fit. But I think Watford dominated on set pieces attacking-wise. We saw Dennis get a goal. Uh, he's a nice player for them. I think United with Ronaldo's ability in the air is going to be critical. Um, they play in that four triple two. It'll be all on those mid holding midfielders, getting the ball to their forward players as much as possible. I think this will be a tightly contested game. It is at Brentford early game tomorrow. Um, I feel like this is going to be a weird week where a lot of the big teams choke a little bit. Um, but I, I, my whole heart, I can't take Brentford here. Um, so I think I'm going to go with United. Yep, me too. Okay, we have Norwich City versus Aston Villa tomorrow as well. Um, Norwich just looks so bad. They're getting a pretty decent shout to win this game, though, at 30% um, predictability to win. I'm going to take 41%, uh, which is where Villa's at. I think Villa win this game. Yeah, I think with no Grant Hanley back there, um, it's questionable if he'll come back again for this weekend. Um, I thought Billy Gilmore did a nice job. We saw minutes from Todd Cantwell late on. He he won a couple free kicks for them. Um, but Villa are looking healthy. Not too many injuries. Ollie Watkins up there. Um, Buendia kind of still looking like a fraud of a signing coming yeah. from Norwich. This will be his return against Norwich for the first time. We'll see if he plays. Um, I, I my, my instinct right away is a draw. So I think I'm going to go with a draw. I'm going to go with a draw here. Okay. I just I just know no matter what I say, I'm gonna go like 
three and seven this week. So I'm just going to go with what my gut says. I'm going to go with a draw here. All right. Fair enough. Um, okay. So I'm on Villa. You're on draw. Let's move on to city leads the 3 PM game for tomorrow. Um, weird game start time. So we have a two 30 for Brentford United, two 45 for Norwich and Villa, and then a 3 PM for a city and Leeds. So they're just staggered a little bit. Um, I'm taking City straight up in this one. Uh, there's no way that they they fuck their streak up uh, against this Leeds team who are just so suspect defensively. I I like City to win like four nil. Just like last week against Chelsea, I think Leeds can make this a game. It'll be interesting to see what um, Bamford's status is if he can play. I think he's a game time decision as well. But they're expecting him to come back here, so that should be interesting. It'll help out Rafinha, who's had to carry that attacking load on his shoulders. But I'm going to have to go with City here and make it seven in a row. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. Uh, we have Brighton versus Wolves up next. Absolutely love a draw on this one. Um, yeah. Brighton looks suspect. Wolves have two shitty results in two weeks, losing 1-0. Um, I like the teams to share a point in this one. Yeah, I'm right there with you. No Jimenez here, so they're going to have to go with Huang, He Chan, and Traore up front. We know Traore cannot score to save his life. Brighton getting some extra time to rest, uh, help out those backline defenders that um, are hurt. The Shane Duffy still have still has to sit out here with that suspension, so they're going to be very weak in the back line. But Wolves do not score many chances, so I will be going with a draw. Okay, sounds good. Um... I almost went with Wolves there at the last second. I almost talked myself out of it. Okay, we have Crystal Palace versus Southampton up next. This is going to be a strange one, I have a feeling. Um, have to have to take Palace, though. I um, think they need to get some wins in a row here, and I think this is a prime opportunity for that. They looked really good against Everton. They should look just as good against Southampton, who just looked so bad in the middle of the park, um, and especially defensively. So I'm going to take Palace straight up. Yeah, I'm going with Palace as well. So they still have to go with Willie in goal. He looked very, very low on match sharpness. Uh, a lot of mistakes, though he made some good saves, but those handful of mistakes cost them the game last week. Uh, Palace, nice form there. Still trying to figure out that central striker role. Who's it going to be? Edward Benteke. Neither of them have been firing off. They've had to get their goals coming from the back line and midfield which isn't always good week in and week out. So I can definitely see Zaha have a better game here. Southampton are getting those players back that were suspended in Romeo and Saliso. Um, I do see Southampton making this a game. I can definitely see them control the game most of the time, but I think Palace on the counterattack are better. So I'm going to go with Palace with a home win as well. Okay, sounds good. Um, we have Burnley versus Watford up next. Oh, another weird one. Shit. I got to go with a draw here. I mean, I hate both of these teams. I suck at picking them. Um, I have to go with a draw. Gun to my head, I would take Watford to win, but um, I'm going to stick with like a nil-nil, one-one draw. Yeah, I'm sure Corne will still be out here yeah. um, on a short-term, short week, I should say. Um. I think they're expecting him back in this game, too, on the website, so it should be interesting. Your boy, Matty Vidra, has been choking every chance he gets in front of goal, (laughs) unfortunately. So, I don't know. Burnley can definitely earn points here at home against a sus Watford defense, Um, but I think Watford, on the other hand, have Dennis has turned out to be a great signing for them this year. Josh King hit the post a pair of times last week. Um, This game could be very interesting. Uh, highly contested, but I think it's a one-goal winner here. Um, and I think I'm going to go with Watford. Okay, sounds good. I would like to let everybody know that Manchester United are currently in talks with the Premier League to postpone their fixture against Brentford tomorrow after having to shut their training ground because of a COVID outbreak. So they probably won't play then. Probably won't play. And I just think that's going to be the way that it is for the next six months because it seems like Europe is on fire again over a Omicron variant that is about half as deadly as regular COVID. But that's not my business. Arsenal take on West Ham Wednesday, December 15th at 3 p.m. I think this is game of the week. I think this is game of the week. I agree. Arsenal are the favorite. Wow. Um, Arsenal would leapfrog West Ham if they won the game. Because United's going to yeah. get postponed, right? So maybe Arsenal fourth. could be in that fourth spot, our favorite spot. 
I have to take Arsenal then, I think, just because of fate. I think this game could go any of three ways. I think it could be a draw. Um, but Arsenal looked pretty potent in the midfield, you know, going forward. Odegaard has three goals in three. Um, we have some options. Smith Rowe is going to be fully healthy for this one. Martinelli's looked good, not necessarily threatening, but good for his age and good in his position. Saka's been better as of late. Questions about the striker position, but I think Arsenal win this game. Um, I think it is tight, though. You know, whoever wins, will it'll be a 1-0 or, or like a, a, a one-goal victory. Yeah, we know Arsenal love to build out of the back. Um, I think West Ham does a, a lot better job uh, of pressing from the front compared to Southampton. Those players are very lethal. Uh, Mikel Antonio is seven straight games goalless in the league, oh. so his hot streak has been cold of late. Um, and for that reason, I think I'm going to go with West Ham with a big away win. They are a wishy-washy team, in my opinion. They are one of the worst teams I predict. I am 4-12 and this year on them. So I think for Evan's sake, with that sentiment of Arsenal winning, I'm going to go with West Ham to win here just to give him that more, uh, I don't know, just because I'm ass-picking West Ham. I, I definitely can see West Ham win this game. Um, they're, they're dealing with a couple injuries there, obviously, in their back line, which I think Arsenal can take advantage of. Sokka's been playing very well. But I think it's going to be a battle in the middle of the park, and I think West Ham's midfield it has that edge. So I'm going to go with West Ham with probably like a 2-1 win. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I, can, I mean, I can see it. Um, Leicester City versus Tottenham, another one that is probably going to get postponed because I think both teams have COVID. Um, if I have to pick, I'm taking... Oh, this is kind of a tough one. I don't think Leicester win this game. I, I'm going to take a draw, actually. That's, that's weird because both teams have a lot of attacking threats, but I'm going to take a draw. Leicester right now is my best team betting. I am 12 and 4 picking Leicester games, which is weird. Um, they are a team this year that have been up and down, so I don't know. Um, but I said the same thing about Wolves. I was 9 and 1, and then I mentioned it, and then I think four straight weeks I picked the wrong one. Um, so I don't know. Johnny Evans not being there is a massive loss. I think Tottenham, with the extra rest, if this game is played, have the advantage there. Um, so for that reason, I think, uh, I'm going to go with Spurs. Okay. All right. I don't, I don't like the pick, but I think I'm going to go with Spurs. That was my other, I don't think Lester wins. So I was going to say Spurs, but I just think that this is going to be a weird, funky one with all the COVID shit could be a draw. Yeah. Youth teams. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Chelsea versus Everton. Chelsea win. Don't, I don't even need to go into it. Fuck Everton. They suck. Yeah. These next two matches are the easiest of the week. I'm going to go with Chelsea here by four. Okay, Chelsea by four. I love that. Um, and then we have Liverpool versus Newcastle. This game could be 7-0. Um, I don't it could, think it, it will it be. be. I don't yeah. think it will be. Why not? Why is that? S something weird. I have, a, I have a, a feeling. And I've been hot recently, so I, I don't know if, if I'm just being betrayed. Are you willing? Are you willing to Absolute, take that chance? No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Certainly not. But I don't think it's 7-0. I think it's, you know, at most 3-0. I totally get where you're coming from. I mean, Newcastle... Liverpool have scored 45 goals this year, which is the most. Newcastle have given up 34, which is the most. How many goals for do they have? 17. Oh, that's more than I would have thought. Okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, Liverpool by three, probably. Uh, I don't know. Something's telling me that Newcastle might show up. Uh, I don't know what it is. I just hear a voice in my head. But, but Salah for at least a brace. Okay, fair enough. I will wind up probably betting Liverpool minus three, like when the day comes. So, all right. The odds aren't going to be good, but yeah, I know. I think that's everything, right? Yep, that's it. All right, so we'll probably be back um with a show either. It's Friday either going to be Thursday. It'll be Thursday night or Friday, and then we're going to have a week where we go back to normal. We'll have like a week off from games because then it's Boxing Day. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it's going to be mayhem because there's going to be games almost every day. So we're going to have to probably yeah, record. Now. We're probably going to have to do episodes on the the last games of that week game week schedule. Yeah. So. I mean, we we're, we're going to get into the new year, and every team's going to play at least 19, 20 games. So we might have to do another progress report video yeah. at some point. 
we might have to wedge one in there. It'll have to be like a condensed one, but it'll be interesting. All right. Um, that's everything, guys. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod. We're on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and also check us out wherever you can find podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and SoundCloud. Got that right the first time. Um, episode just about an hour. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week.